It's a super Sunday night, Las Vegas. Welcome on in to Sports, Fox Sports Radio, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, over on your radio dial. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, and Angel with you here for a, I said it, a super Sunday night, literally, as we know, who will play in Super Bowl 58 two weeks from now at Allegiant Stadium here in Las Vegas. In fact, in two weeks' time, when we come on the air, we will have this year's NFL champion. But before we get to all that, all that great news, as it was an epic day of football for everybody, you can join us if you'd like tonight. 876-1340 is the Heat Wave hotline at Tom Barton Sports, at HW Sports over on that there X. Please chime in with your thoughts, your opinions, because that's what we do. We take all your thoughts and opinions and throw them right out the window, Tom. We give you our own thoughts and opinions and tell you how it really is. As it was a, a, just a, it was a fun day if you're a football fan, Tommy. It was an aggravating day if you're a football, if you're a fan of a football team that lost today. And there's many of us involved in the Heatway family that, that felt that. Some more than others. We'll break it all down tonight, but uh, I'm excited. We're going to have a nice show tonight. We're going to break both the games down. We'll give our early analysis, our early preview picks. But really, it's it's all about, um, you know, there's there's few dates in the sports calendar that really stick out, and obviously the Super Bowl is one of them, but ch- Conference Championship Sunday is right up there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I said it last night. A lot of people that are sports fans, Forget about professionals in the business. No, 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 a lot of sports fans will tell me over and over that the best NFL day of the year isn't Super Bowl. It's conference championship game. I, Me, personally, I love opening day, right? I say that all the time. A lot of people like Thanksgiving. But this is, for a lot of people, a better day than the Super Bowl because you get two teams, you, you get that excitement. The AFC-NFC championship game over the years at times has felt like it even meant more than the Super Bowl. If you remember back to the years where the Niners took on Dallas and Green Bay and the battles that that was. Um, so yeah, you you have that feel at times. And I, I always want to say, you know, you want these games to be played clean. You want these games to be played clear. You want these games to be a situation where even if your team walks away, you go, okay, look, there's some regrets here and there there's some questionable calls here and there but man they outplayed us right that team outplayed us that team out outdid it we just weren't as good i don't think either team that is going to the super bowl today i don't think either team can say you were the better team you outplayed them i think it's the other way around tonight and this is not to take away and it's i'm sure it sounds like it it's not to take away from san francisco and kansas city and what they've done But tonight, if you watch the games objectively, I didn't have a horse in the race at all, okay? If you watch these games objectively, the Ravens and the Lions lost the game. The Chiefs and the Niners just happened to be the beneficiary. It's not like they went out there and won the game. The other team lost it. And there is a difference in sports, and we're going to get into that tonight. Oh, I agree. I think it was... You hit the nail on the head. It wasn't about necessarily... Yes, KC and San Francisco technically won the football games, but in both instances, and especially in the second game, it was kind of handed to them on a silver platter. But a win's a win, a loss is a loss. 
We'll look at uh, the offseason. We'll, we'll kind of give our thoughts on what Baltimore and Detroit can do in the offseason to get back to this opportunity or taking it even a step further. And, and yeah, of course, we're going to look at Chiefs and the Niners, 58, two weeks from now, point spreads. Uh, maybe Tom has some early possible. I don't I don't even know, Tom. You tell me. Are there prop bets out yet? There, there's some people have already posted bets, uh, prop bets up on, to bet on the Super Bowl, or is, are we a week away from that? No, we're, we're, we're away from that. Look, okay. uh, there's always the early bird gets the best line kind of mentality. You want to hear the, the, the ridiculous terms like sharp and all that. No, look, guys, um, do not put any Super Bowl bets out there on prop plays until the market is kind of set. Because I've said this before, and I, 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 it's a real-life scenario. The variance in markets are huge. We talk about well, one, one place has a seven, one place has a seven and a half. We watched that today, right? We talk about, well, one number in, in a college basketball game could be set at 138. One number could be set at 140. Oh, that's huge. But the prop market for the Super Bowl has such a wide variance, it's absolutely ridiculous to jump on the early number because you have to buy it and, and look what the other numbers are across the board. I tell the story all the time. I was in uh, the, the very first Super Bowl that was in Atlantic City. You could walk on the boardwalk there, and you it's, it's a one-mile stretch, a little bit more than a mile. You walk on the boardwalk, and you can go down. And Tom Brady for MVP of the Super Bowl, which is a very, very popular bet. It's not like I was looking for your know, tight end catches here. Tom Brady for the MVP of the Super Bowl. If you had one place, you had six-to-one odds. The next place had eight to one. The next place had 11 to one. The variances are all over the place. So no, even if there are a couple of prop bets out there, you don't want to go anywhere near them. You see the line fluctuating, even in the game itself. Tim, last night I told you what the game was going to be. It opened up exactly what we talked about it was going to be last night. Within less than 15 minutes, the line had dropped a full point. So no, wait until you can get your best number. Wait until you can get your number. Do your research. Uh, don't jump on stuff just because it's early. And I was, I was sitting, I was sitting in between the, the two games, Tom, and I'm, I'm uh, kind of digesting what what had just happened, and then looking forward to the second game. And um, you know, I'm thinking to myself like. Just the, the way the football has has changed in just the last, I'll say the last five years, right? It's become such a entertain entertainment. Let's put it that way. It's become such an entertainment. It's it's not so much a sport anymore, right, Tommy? It's it's all about entertainment and how can the NFL maximize on being the the biggest thing out there, right? We already know the NFL is the biggest sport out there. We already know that to the casual fan. NFL is number one. Then you have the hardcores. Then you have even guys like us that are just ridiculously, we wasted so much time on understanding the sport and studying the sport. And sometimes it just doesn't go the way you think it's going to go. And at the end of the day, it's like, wow, is this what this really, do we have sports left, Tom, other than baseball and maybe hockey? Do we have sports left that can truly be considered a sport and not of entertainment purposes? No, no, not at all. Um, I mean, I, I, I don't even think that they're trying to hide it, Tim. I don't even think that they that they want you to think that this is entertainment, and and that's exactly what it is. Um, they are hoping for these results. Now, with that being said, 
I don't believe things were fixed and twisted. I got. I, I talked about that last night. I, I don't buy into any of that. But it is in a world now that we live where, yeah, the entertainment value supersedes the quality on the field. By every objective standard, the AFC and NFC championship game should be the best against the best, the crispest games being played, the best display of football that we can show the world. Both of the games today were ugly, filled of mistakes, filled of referee mistakes and errors and and, and problems, filled of uh, announcing errors, filled of all sorts of things. These were sloppy, sloppy games. Now, I can't say that they were not entertaining. They were entertaining. Um, But I just mentioned that I love opening day, right? I love opening day. If both of these games were played exactly in the same manner on opening day, I would come out here and I would say, well, you know what? It's opening day. I could live with the sloppy play, but it's not opening day. This is the day before the or the game before the Super Bowl, the game before the biggest game that everybody watched, the biggest television program that people watch in the year, every year, the biggest number one television program. This is what we showed them. It was a sloppy messy, discombobulated mess out there. And, and not just from one team. Things were just, and look, look at the Niners game, biggest game in the Niners game. Again, it's a fun play, but the biggest game in the uh, play in the Niners game bounced off a guy's face mask, bopped up into the air for, uh, you know, a big 50, some 51 yard catch, I think it was. It, this is sloppy. There's no crisp football being played out there. Now we have watched crisp football over the course of the year. We have watched good heavyweight battles. That's what you expected from both of these games. And you're not going to get it from both. At least one. We got it from zero, Tim. Tom, did you watch at home? Oh, yeah. 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 So was it, it was just the family, right? Is that? Yeah, it was just us. Okay. So I watched at home as well, and I had my, – my family was there as well. So no, no outsiders. It was all family. But I – and I get, and I can say this about any time we watch football, but it was magnified today because number one, the Super Bowl is the next game, and um, number two, well, number one, it's there's no number two. It's really number one. The Super Bowl is in two weeks, and I, I literally was in in a house with uh, kids running around. I was in a house with half females, half males, and. Um, Everybody was having a great time and yelling and screaming and eating and you know all the good things you do when you get together and watch football. That and the the number the number there were two topics today, Tom and I already know we talked about one of them last night. Right? There's two topics. There was the the Taylor Swift um, situation, and then for the Super Bowl. So in between those two games, right? I'm sitting there crying, not literally, but I'm sitting there crying and and. What what were the two topics that came up? There was a commercial that came up about Usher being the halftime entertainment. And then a couple minutes later, somebody remarked about they can't wait to see the Super Bowl commercials. And that's what I mean. And we can have this talk every year because it's the same thing. Those things outweigh what actually is being played on the football field. They actually It outweighs the game itself, right? There's, there's going to be a winner. They're going to be the champion. But what do we talk about on the on the – the recap show every year we talk about the game and then we talk about hey what do you think about those commercials because it's a segue out for us after we've talked all this football but to a casual fan or uh 
a mainstream fan, right, Tom? It's all the other stuff that goes around and the entertainment purposes of it. So it kind of magnified a little more because now you have literally, Tom, you, you're in the same group. There were there were kids ages uh, 13, 11, 9, were running around uh, another and another 10-year-old running around the house talking about Taylor Swift because the Chiefs were going to the Super Bowl, Tom. That's what it's become. And you know what? If that's the way the NFL is going to be to continue to be the the – what multi-billion dollar entity that it is that's what they have to do but i just it it kind of struck a little bit more today sitting there listening and watching and um i don't know i just kind of bothered me a little bit that's all <laughs> you know one of the things that that, that <clears throat> bothers me about the nfl um that i don't see in any other sport i we, we watch and let me preface this by saying we watch the uh, NBA go to extraordinary lengths to try to stop LeBron James from shooting himself in the foot. LeBron, you're an idiot. Every time he opens up his mouth, he sounds dumber and dumber. And they do all kinds of cover-up, right? They wanted, they want everything about LeBron to be this giant superstar. Look at how great he is. Look at how amazing he is. Look at, uh, uh, you know, uh, what he's accomplished on the court. They'll give comparisons against him against Bird, comparisons against him against Jordan. Uh, they will show highlight packages of, of him and Jordan. That That's what they do. They go to those explicit lengths to try to stop LeBron from shooting himself in the foot and be the face of, of the NBA and lift the NBA up for the NBA being the NBA. Um, in Major League Baseball, when we had already known that a-Rod had cheated, and we had already known that Bonds had cheated. The Major League Baseball executives got together, and they didn't pull them, you know, from ads and stuff like that. No, no, no. All they did was show, okay, let's show comparison, right? Let's put out the comparisons. Let's make these two idiots that really, uh, you know, screwed our sport. Let's put it on the back burner. Let's forget about it, and let's highlight the sport itself. Let's show what they've done historically. Let's show how good it is. And and there was a concentrated effort to go out there and show that, right? And let's show that. Um, golf is the same. You won't turn on uh, Tiger Woods nowadays, even now when he's getting older. You won't turn it on, and they will not mention the golf club through the window of, of you know, the, the car incident. No, they all they do is go, okay, you know what, I'll brush over that. We won't talk about his, his knee even. Let's just talk about how great he was historically. And it's always to push up the sport, to push up the player, to go down that path. The NFL does the opposite. The NFL takes Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey specifically and consistently ties it with Taylor Swift. Consistently ties them with their commercials. Consistently ties them with a pop star that has nothing to do with the sport. Why? Why? Why Why am I watching a... a program and i understand the reach that taylor swift has but why am i watching a program that immediately after a touchdown that her boyfriend was not involved in we pan over to the booth and all of a sudden cheer now the taylor swift stuff hasn't bothered me that much it's bothered me the reaction with people saying uh, legitimately oh taylor swift saved the nfl saved her save them from what <laughs> from the highest ratings ever. I mean, you know, the most money of all time. But but I digress here. I, Taylor Swift didn't bother me. What bothered me was the idea that the NFL is putting themselves second. What bothered me was that the NFL is pushing the narrative that they need Taylor Swift somehow. This poor girl, and I am saying it. Look, it's a poor. This poor girl 
is now the villain. Yeah. She has the entire NFL rooting against her. Instead of sitting back and celebrating the Chiefs, we are all hating on the Chiefs. Why do we hate the Chiefs? People go, why do you hate the Chiefs? Do you hate Andy Reid? No, of course not. Do you hate Kansas City, a, a place that football is just renowned? No, of course not. Do you hate Patrick Mahomes? Listen, you, you don't like how good he is because, you know, it gets annoying that he's constantly there, but you don't hate him. Do you hate Travis Kelsey? Unbeni undeniably, yes. Why do you hate Travis Kelsey? Because he's everywhere. He, he's, he's in your face. He's doing a million commercials. He's saying stupid things, and he's dating somebody that they put and push that is bigger than the NFL. They are consistently doing it. Eminem was in Detroit today. How many times did we pan over to Eminem? How many times did, it, did we consider, I'm not a big Eminem fan, but I'm giving you the comparisons here. Well, why didn't we see Eminem cheering in the box after every Detroit you know, touchdown? He was in San Fran, he was there. Why? He, he's a big star because they don't think that Eminem is bigger than them. The NFL is telling NFL fans, the sport that you love, the sport that you're watching is not big enough. She's bigger than it. So we have made this the spectacle that you just referred to, where other sports want to lift up their sport and shove their sport in your face and say, forget about the outside noise. Let's just watch these guys as athletes. The NFL is taking the other approach and saying, no, we, we, we want to show you that Taylor Swift is more popular. We want to show you that Taylor Swift needs to be on TV. We want that outside noise. We want the commercials to be more important than the game. We want the, the party to be more important than the game. And let me give you one more example here, Tim, since you went down this path. You talk about the Super Bowl, and you talk about the Super Bowl to an outside person that you don't know if they like sports or not. Imagine the imagery of the Super Bowl. What is the imagery of the Super Bowl? sitting around, having a party, all of the, the food there, big time food, hanging out, lots of people, all of the outfits, all of the food, watching commercials, laughing. Not a lot of people that you're gonna approach and talk about the game itself because the game has become secondary and the NFL is pushing that narrative. It's an excuse to have a party Tom, with a football game involved in the background, right? That's all it's become, and it's magnified now more, and you hit the nail 100%. You drove, drove it through the wall, came out the other side with KC. I don't dislike the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs. I think if they can win in two weeks' time and we have our said dynasty like we broke down last night on the, on the air, I think that's wonderful because I like to see things like that. I think that that – to have a dynasty in sports, especially in today's day and age, regardless of what sport it is, that's an accomplishment because things change so frequently with the the addition of free agency or actually the, the maximum, the Cisco maximum of what free agency can be and the money that's involved. To win something three times in a five-year time span, that's amazing. But that will be secondary story to everything around it. And it, yeah, it goes along with the whole Taylor Swift situation. I don't dislike Taylor Swift either, but she's getting on my nerves, right, Tom? Because it's just natural to, to not want to see something all the time. And I, I'm sure for her brand, it's it's wonderful now. But you know, children are like I said, running around, jumping up and down in my house, that screaming for Taylor Swift. I get it. And and the NFL's right for doing it, Tom, because it's all about the dollar bill. It's all about the Benjamins, right? But um, Tim, let's let's fast forward two weeks. 
Okay. Let's fast forward two weeks from now. Two weeks in a day. Okay. It's the final play. There's a kick to de- determine who the uh, the Super Bowl champion is. Okay. Let, let's just say, um, you know, the, the Chiefs are kicking the, the field goal. No time on the clock. It's an overtime game. Greatest NFL game of all time. You can argue, right? Back and forth battle. Uh, it's going to be a long kick. It's going to be like a 55-yard kick to try to win the Super Bowl. Every In overtime in a tie game, everything is there in the greatest game of all time. Uh, he lines up. Bucker lines up. Kicks the 55-yarder. Boom, it hits. Everybody rushes the field. You can now say that Andy Reid has created a dynasty. Is there a question that Andy Reid is the greatest Head coach of all time? Yes, man. Hey, he's in that conversation. Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is now a Super Bowl champion again. Is there a question that maybe maybe he's getting into the conversation with the best quarterback of all time? Oh, my God, yes. Absolutely, Tim. What about the kicker? What a kick. The greatest kick in the history of the Super Bowl. Oh, there he is. All right. Who are they panning over, Tim? Yeah. Who's the camera looking for? It's not looking for Harrison Bucker. Won't be looking for Andy Reid. Won't even be looking for Travis Kelsey or Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be looking for Taylor Swift. Looking for Tay-Tay. Here's the thing. If if, uh, I don't – and, again, obviously you need both sides to agree on it, but what would be the ideal situation, right, Tom, is stay tuned for our post-game conference with Taylor Swift, right, That and have another two hours dedicated to her. You know the amount of money that they would have made if they could have had that happen, to have a post-game concert with Taylor Swift afterwards? I'm surprised they didn't try that, actually, Tommy. Not forget the halftime show. Let's do a post gamer after, especially after the Chiefs win. What do you think? Like, that's what it is, and we're going to see more and more. We're going to see more and more and more of it. It's not even just Taylor Swift. We're going to see more and more of it as we go on because entertainment has infiltrated the sports world to the max degree now, Tom. That's that's just what we're going to have to deal with. There's nothing we can do about it. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's a sad situation, and and maybe we'd feel different today, Tim, if we got two really good games where the better team prevailed because they showed they were a better team. Maybe we'd be acting a little bit differently, but we got two sloppy games. But you look at both of these teams and you go, ah, I mean, it's a good season, but did they even deserve to win that game? Like I I started this off, the Niners lost that game. I mean, I'm sorry, the Lions lost that game. The Niners, they didn't win that game. The Lions lost that game. And you can absolutely say everything you want about how good Patrick Mahomes is and Patrick Mahomes is. Lamar Jackson lost that game, among others. But Lamar was the guy. When you ask me in 10 years from now, talk to me about the 2024 season, Kansas City-Baltimore, it's less about, well, the Chiefs, man, they overcame. They looked really good. And it's more about, wow. Lamar Jackson just really absolutely uh, just crumbled. If you ask me about, well, what about San Francisco? Oh, man, was Brock Purdy amazing? Was he, hey, listen, he looked good. But, man, I can't believe those decisions by Dan Campbell. That's that's what fills up the conversation. And you just don't want it to happen. I, I mean, we had ref conversations. We, had, we There was just so many negative connotations to all these games that it really gets upsetting. But the NFL got what they wanted, right, Tom? They wanted the Chiefs. Yeah, the Niners, we, you asked me last night, right? Yeah. <laughs> and I said there is a, a 100% chance that the NFL wants San Francisco against Kansas City. You get the rematch from year, a couple years back. 
you get the the markability of Patrick Mahomes again in there. The the new Tom Brady, right? That's what that's what he's gonna be called after he wins his third one. You get the Kelsey Swifty thing. You get Usher. On the other side, you know, the Niners are the ones that actually are the, are the being overlooked here if you really look at the big picture, and we'll talk a little more about that. When we come back from our first time out as we reset, and we'll jump into these conference championship games on the other side of the timeout. It's Heatwave Sports, Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Fox Sports Radio. Radio Las Vegas, every weekend, 10 to midnight. And it's a Super Sunday night, uh, not only because we usually call the show Super Sunday night, but literally it's Super Sunday night, Super Bowl 58 in Las Vegas, two weeks away over at Allegiant Stadium. It'll be the Kansas City Chiefs looking for the three and five. That's three Super Bowls, five-year time period. Talking about dynasties last night. We'll look into that a little bit later on in the show against the San Francisco 49ers. So a rematch of four years ago where KC came out victorious in that one. Tom, we need to just go ahead and dive in and talk about how those two teams got there. So we'll start with what we saw last. That way I can punish myself even more about the, the early game, Tommy. But uh, the San Francisco 49ers overcome a 17-point halftime deficit and end up outscoring Detroit. Bowled them over in the second half, Tommy, on their way to a 34-31 win in that NFC title game over in Santa Clara this afternoon. Um, I think the theme we've already kind of foreshadowed in the last segment was, yes, San Francisco won the football game, Tom, but Detroit basically gave them everything to win the football game. And uh, there's so many things in this game that were really disappointing. If you're a Lions fan and – Look, I stand corrected on what I said last night. And you and I are always we're very, very good about admitting when we say something that doesn't happen, right? And I didn't think Detroit was going to be able to to last on this football field with San Francisco. I just thought the discrepancy in talent was too much and that Detroit had a great season. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, it's just going to come up a little bit short. Uh, they definitely hung in there today, Tom, and they should have won this game. And it, that's not even – should have isn't even the word. They they won the football game, but lost the football game. And I had a lot of people texting me today after the game, you know, sorry this, sorry that. I would have rather lost the way the Ravens lost today than lost the way the Lions lost that football game. And it, that one's a hard one to digest, right, Tom, after the, just the complete turnaround of that franchise. They get a step away. They, they're, they're 30 minutes away, essentially, two two football quarters away and just get completely rolled over in the second half. That was a horrible loss if you're a Lions fan. That's a tough one to digest all season long. But they did it to themselves, right, Tom? Yeah, they did um, in a way. Look, I can't believe I'm going to be the guy in the media that takes the, the Dan Campbell stand and defends this guy, but I'm going to here. Immediately as the game was going on, you, you sort of get caught up in the moment of things. 
And we were on a text message thread of people screaming and yelling and you can't do that. What is he doing? He's taking away points. I, I, I get it. Okay. I understand you want to blow throw all the blame on him. I do. I get that. But Dan Campbell stayed true to what this team was. This is a massive underdog team that's never gotten to this point on the road. And people go, well, you got to change up your philosophy. But he wasn't going to. The guy that I think deserves more blame than anybody is Ben Johnson. And let me explain. We said that the Lions lost the game. And I think almost every viewer out there, when they heard me say that the Lions lost the game, as opposed to San Francisco winning the game, they all are going to go back and point to the missed three-point opportunities, the missed field goal attempts, because that's how you lose games. And I think everybody thinks that that's what I was talking about. It's not what I was talking about. What I was talking about was the horrendous play calling. Look, missing a chance to go up 17 points on the road in a playoff game, uh, getting close to the fourth quarter, it's a, it's a tough decision. But it was going to be a 45-yarder. It was going to be a 45-yarder that clearly Dan Campbell doesn't have complete confidence in. It was going to be a 45-yarder when you had the game very much in hand. And if they block that kick, or if they miss it, you give this dangerous Niners team the ball at midfield. I understood that one. I didn't agree with it, but I certainly understood that, not taking the points there. Okay, I get it. So did Dan Campbell screw up there? You can say that. But I think in the overall conversation, I understood that that play. I got it. Dan Campbell didn't fumble the ball like Jameer Gibbs did immediately after a touchdown. And then we go to the end of the game where the Lions were red hot on offense all day long. You wanted them to have the ball. And, you know, there was a, a minute and whatever, 17 seconds to go or so. And, and you look at this and you go, okay, you know, you could take the field goal here, still be down by a touchdown. You have your three timeouts, and that's great. And they ran the ball. Now, people are screaming at right there, well, what do you do? You, you, you go out there, you kick the field goal. And, no, 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 no. Dan Campbell wasn't going to do that at that point. He's not going to do that at that point. This is not a Dan Campbell problem as much as it was a Ben Johnson problem. In the second half, Ben Johnson called plays he called that running play. Why are you running David Montgomery? That was the that was the season. Everyone's going to talk about the missed three-pointers and the missed uh, opportunity to add on three points, I should say, the missed field goal chances that Dan Campbell had. Ben Johnson ran the ball. He's the offensive coordinator. He's the hot shot that's going to Washington. He ran the ball, Tim, in a spot that you cannot run the ball. You can't run the football. There's nothing bad other than an interception, of course, but there's nothing bad that could have happened from throwing the ball. If, if Jared Goff is in trouble, you throw it out of the back of the infield, you take three, you got your three timeouts, you're going to get the ball back. You're going to get the ball back. So this was a Ben Johnson problem, not a Dan Campbell problem. This is a fumbling problem by Jameer Gibbs. It wasn't Dan Campbell's fault. Uh, Reynolds dropped two first downs. Huge plays. Not really anybody's fault that he dropped them other than Reynolds, right? You can't blame Campbell. You can't even blame Ben Johnson. Um, but this is where the Lions kept shooting themselves in the foot, and the Lions became, well, <laughs> the Lions, right? They continued to shoot themselves in the foot. You looked at the scenarios that, that went down, and you can look back, and it was first guessing. I mean, we were getting texts at the time. Why not take the three? Why would, would you not take the three there? Why not call, you know, uh, uh, not run 
a running play there with Montgomery. There was a lot of that going on. But for me, all I hear and all I read was how this is a Dan Campbell loss and nobody else. This is a, a full team loss. Jameer Gibbs fumbled. Reynolds couldn't catch the ball. Uh, you know, even Laporta. Laporta dropped a pass that he should have caught. And, and and this is a Ben Johnson thing to me. The super kid, the uber wonder offensive coordinator, called a horrific game plan at the end of the game. They were running all over him. I spoke about this last night, Tim, and I gave you guys very in-depth that the Lions running offense was built directly to beat San Francisco 49ers. I told you how much success Jameer Gibbs would have. My prop plays last night, Gibbs over rushing yards, Gibbs over rushing attempts. He had over his rushing attempts before the half and his over his rushing yards pretty much right after that. Gibbs ran crazy on them. Montgomery ran on them. And then they started throwing the ball. And they started throwing the ball when they were up in the game. They started going to the air more often. They wanted to put this team away because they were afraid what was going to happen if they didn't. And it happened because they didn't. It didn't happen because they were not aggressive. It happened because they were too aggressive. And that right there is playoff mentality, something that the Lions were lacking. But when we go back and talk about this game, and I hear people saying it was a Dan Campbell problem. Did he? Did he? Look, he's the head man. Does does the axe fall on him? Yeah, absolutely. Sure. He deserves some of the blame. But this is more of an offensive coordinator situation. This is more of his team playing scared. His team, instead of running ball down their throat, taking time off, just shoving it down their throat, and playing like you're the bully, the Lions played like we have never been to the Super Bowl. The Lions played like nobody believed we were going to be here, and you're Big Ben San Francisco. So we've got to try all these crazy things. They played like an underdog when they had a 14-point lead, Tim. They played like an underdog in the fourth quarter of a game that they were right in. They played like a team that had nothing to lose. And because they played like that, they lost. Instead of playing like the big bully. Put any of the three teams that were in the playoffs in that spot, Tim. Any of the three teams in the in the second half of a game, you're up 14 points. Um, you give me the Chiefs, who has Patrick Mahomes. You give me Lamar Jackson in the MVP, and you give me that Niners team. You think they're throwing all day like that? Or are they running it with McCaffrey? Running it with Edwards and Lamar? Running it with Pacheco? You're running the ball. There's no reason to throw it. And you're throwing it to guys, I'm sorry, but Reynolds isn't it. Key third down plays downfield, make a play, you go to Reynolds? Yeah. And, you know, and I mean, what are we what are we doing? It's a this is a Ben Johnson problem. Brown should have been the guy. Right? If you're gonna go if you're gonna do that, that's the guy. And I think you you bring up the, the fact of when you talk about if it was any of the other three teams. Hundred percent. Because those teams have been there and done that. Detroit and I'm not trying to upset people. I'm not even trying to upset my friends who, who when they hear this, I think they'll agree. They, they shouldn't have been there, Tom. It's just not their time, right? They're not experienced enough to play in, with these teams, and, and yet they were 30 minutes from being in the Super Bowl. That's what stings the most about it. Dan Campbell, and yeah, I agree. Ben Johnson, Das Wonderkind, right? That His youth showed in the, in the second half. He... He was struggling, and he was gripping, and he failed. 
There were those two fourth downs, Tommy, that Dan Campbell's been famous for all year, so I can't even blame him that he went against the grain because he's done it all season long. Two of those fourth downs, he took three points off the board there. Do you fault him in that that was his philosophy? Is it fourth down, I'm going for it regardless? Or do you play into that that's, that was the game plan anyways and he, it, there was no second thought on that. They were, they were going to do it. So is it being over-magnified that those fourth downs were a huge, huge uh, reason in the second half that they weren't able to win this game? Absolutely over magnified. Look, it was a mistake. I'm not telling you that they were not mistakes, okay? Um, but a 45-yard kick, uh, you have all the momentum. I get it. Uh, I, I could live with that. I understand he didn't have to do that. And Chris just wrote, you know, and uh, he's a big Lions fan, and he said, you know, he gambled when he didn't have to. A hundred percent. I'm not saying that Dan Campbell is infallible here. Dan Campbell deserves a lot of the blame. But I think if if Ben Johnson calls a better second half, as a matter of fact, if Ben Johnson calls a better last possession, the game plan last possession, I don't think that we're blaming Dan Campbell here. We're overlooking the obvious. The biggest play of the game was not not kicking the field goal. The biggest play of the game was running the ball with David Montgomery with three timeouts and a minute 17 to go on the one-yard line. We need two scores. It's the biggest play of the game. The second biggest play of the game is making Reynolds the primary receiver. Drop that huge first down. The third biggest play of the game, Jameer Gibbs fumbling the ball in his own uh, own territory. Those are the big plays of the game. When we get down the list, those three points, while sure, they could have mattered, I'm going to ask every Lions fan out there, do you believe the Lions are winning this game in in overtime? The way that it, it turned around in the second half? Maybe, and I'm just speculating here, Tim, maybe Dan Campbell had to feel like he had to go for it because he saw that Ben Johnson didn't know what he was doing out there. Maybe. Maybe that's there. Maybe Dan Campbell was out of his depth. That could be too. I don't want to consistently sit here and, and, and just defend Dan Campbell, but the vitriol and the hatred for Dan Campbell coming out and everybody just saying it was a Dan Campbell problem. This was this was as much as the offensive coordinator, that is the wonder kid offensive coordinator, as anything else. The play calling was some of the worst play calling that I've watched all year. And what's funny is that I was going to say that sentence about game one in Baltimore, but this superseded it. The second half play calling in that Detroit Lions game, if you were watching that game and you had no idea, they just turned around, gave you the game, you put it on mute, and the score was blocked out, you would think the Lions were down 14 points. Going for it on fourth, throwing a Reynolds, rolling out, go, running the ball with a minute and 10 seconds to go in three times. You would think that this team, oh, my God, they're in panic mode. They're in panic mode. They were in panic mode. They were in panic mode up 14 points. Detroit blows a 24-7 halftime lead, outscored 17-0 in the third quarter to not – not that game up in the, going into the last frame. And now, Tommy, the Lions have lost 12 straight playoff games on the road. So they got past one mark of futility, but extended another one in a gut-wrenching, awful way. And and I think the magnification of where this game was lost, everybody's going to say they blew a double-digit lead. Okay, whatever they – yes, obviously they lost a 17-point lead, but in the fourth quarter – in essentially what was a 0-0 game, mistakes were made, and the 
experience factor showed, right, Tom? Or lack of experience, let's put it that way. And I guess you have to look at, because we know San Francisco moves on to two weeks' time. So when you look at the Lions moving forward into 2024, I, I kind of scanned what I could find as far as a, a pre-free agent list, and the only name that I see that essentially really stands out would be Reynolds, the receiver you talked about having the the, the uh, stone hands, right? Can this team just regroup, Tom, and come right back at it? Are they on that path to being a, a factor here in, in the next three to five years? It's pretty funny. As soon as the, the game kind of got to the ending, um, Abby looked at me and she said, well, you know, that's okay for the Lions. They'll be back. And and I kind of chuckled because I was like, ooh, ooh, I, 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 I got to let that one sink in for a minute. Look, the good for the Lions is this. Uh, they, they know they have the right head coach there. They are sure that they have a great offensive line. I was the one who stood up on the soapbox, screamed to my lungs that Penny Sewell should have been the number one pick of the draft that year. That's how good much I liked him. Yeah, they have the offensive line. They have some pieces on defense. Um, explosive players offensively. They have a lot of things working for them. But I'm going to go back to last night and, and, and the conversation of their schedule this year was a joke. Yeah. Their schedule was constantly indoors, constantly just beating up on teams. Even when they went outdoors, it was bad teams that they should have won against. We watched them trip over their own feet. Now they're a franchise that has has to kind of swallow this loss. And this loss in the manner that they look. Look, a good team. If San Francisco lost like this, or if Kansas City lost like this, we would be saying, I don't know how their mindset's going to be bouncing back. That's that's something that I think is vastly underrated in the mindset, the emotional uh, attachment here. I also think they have a lot of work to do on their defensive side of the ball, specifically the defensive backs, which were a problem all year long. Um, and, and we watched that become a problem against San Francisco late in this game. So there's work to do in Detroit. The division is going to get better. Green Bay showed sparks. You know the Bears are going to be making some changes. Kirk Cousins comes back. If he comes back with Minnesota, suddenly that's there. I am not sitting here telling you that the Detroit Lions are coming, going to be back in this game next year. I think Detroit's going to be a good franchise. I think they have laid the groundwork to consistently be good. It would not shock me if Detroit took the next step next year, but it also wouldn't shock me if they missed the playoffs because this is a hard, hard game to get over emotional about. And t- people do. And this is a hard loss. This is a tough loss on their coach. They're going to lose players. They're going to lose posi- uh, you know, uh, an offensive coordinator who I just ripped apart, but people made him out to be the second coming. I-, I am very curious as to how Detroit goes about next offseason. Again, I could see him right back here. I could see them completely missing the playoffs. And there's a lot of in between both of those sentences. NFC North, you have to feel that the Bears are going to be better. You, you would you would think that, you know, they have top picks coming up. You got guys that, that want to play there. Obviously, the quarterback position is a big thing looking into the future, but you have to think the Bears are going to be better. They played much better in the second half of this 23 season. You know the Packers look like they're going to be better. Uh, Minnesota, if Cousins doesn't go down, that's probably a playoff team. And I think we all agree on that. And that's and that's just in the division. And the, like I said last night, Tom, nine wins – Nine of their wins this year Detroit had were against losing teams, right? But the schedule is a schedule, right, Ron Natty? So next year, I, I kind of peeped up the schedule. They play 
at Dallas. Obviously, they have uh, this rematch. They get San Francisco next year on the road. They play at Houston, a team that looks like they're trying to, to, to be an up-and-comer. Those are, you know, they play home games. So they have Tennessee and Jacksonville coming into Ford Field. They get the, the, the Rams and the Seahawks at home as well. Schedule just got a lot tougher now when you play. Uh, we're, we're, you know, you have a good season, you play a tougher schedule. That's just the way the NFL sets itself up. So uh, maybe it's obviously a step back. What's you that? like to talk about schedules. How about this then, to, to highlight your point? Yeah. Since week 12, okay, which right around right around Thanksgiving, okay, since we'll, we'll say Thanksgiving, um, they lost their second game to Green Bay. They lost their second game to Chicago. And they beat Minnesota without Kirk Cousins by six points and by 10 points in the last game of the year. They struggled against Minnesota, who was all banged up, playing with backup running backs, backup quarterbacks. They lost their second game to Chicago, lost their second game to Green Bay. It's not like they dominated this division. No. They won the games that were put in front of them. You, you, you win by 30 or you win by three. It doesn't matter, right, Tom? A win's a win. But And in this game, they were up. Might as well have said they were up 20, and, and they found a way to lose it. And That's uh, why so I think, like we had said, Chris Wynn, our, our buddy, gut-wrenching, uh, Brian Feldman, embarrassing. These are words that they all threw out today. And I think it's, yeah, it's a perfect mixture of all of it. That loss, if you're a Lions fan, it sticks with you. If you're a Ravens fan, we'll get into that in an hour or two, and you lose. Yeah, we're going to find, we're going to talk about why they lost. That loss doesn't cripple me for an off season. We just lost. That, if you're a Lions fan, I think it's much worse, Tom, because the expectation, even though, can I say they overachieved? I think that's a fair word. They overachieved, and the expectation heading into the second half of today's or tonight's game was that they were going to the Super Bowl, and it came crumbling down real quick. And it's just like watching uh, it's like watching a natural disaster, Tom. Wasn't it just the way they just fell apart? And I told people that I was sitting around, when Frisco tied that game in a throw court, I was like, this game is over. And the first thing was like, oh, we got another 15 minutes to play. I said, you guys just don't understand. Mentally, they're done. And they still, Tom, still had a chance there at the end of the game to do it. That, that, that loss sticks with you for a long time, man. I think the Gibbs fumble was it for me. The Gibbs fumble, they went down uh, seven points. I was like, oh, no, that's the game. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's the game. That, that was it. The Gibbs fumble. I said, that's it. Game over. Uh, by the way, um, Dan Campbell will say it, said it the best. So this is your head coach. Okay. Oh, I love Dan Campbell. But this is your head coach. For anybody that's doubting what me and Tim are saying, head coach comes to the podium after this loss. He said exactly this. Look, I told those guys, this may be – our only shot. Do I think that? No, it's, but it's going to be twice as hard to get back here next year to get to this point. That's a coach that understands the mentality that this can crush, can crush a team. And and it's not like these guys have been playing together forever. There's a lot of rookies on this team. There's a lot of young guys. There's a lot of question marks about even their quarterback. Coming into the season, it was, can Jared Goff get there? The reason why Jared Goff isn't a, a Los Angeles Ram today, Tim, is because they said, you can get so far, but you can't you can't get over the hump. Those questions are all still there. So uh, Dan Campbell himself knows what an uphill climb it's going to be to get back here. Niners rip off 27 straight points 
tying a record with themselves, Tom, the 2012 team also did that in the NFC title game. 2012 team that lost to Baltimore in the Super Bowl. Uh, just uh, if you're if you're a 49ers fan though, and again, we'll, once we break down the AFC side, we can kind of look at the Chiefs Niners matchup. But if you're a Niner fan, you you skated by last week, Tommy, against Green Bay at home. You skated by Detroit again at home. How many more of these hits can they take before? Uh, it bites them in the, in the proverbial ass. It should have happened now back-to-back weeks, and they found a way to win. Are they I, – I don't know, man. Are they? Is this something that they just register up to that they know they can come back when they have to? I will tell you what. <laughs> they better be very concerned about their defense, which I think is a weird thing to say. Uh, their offense is clicking, though. Their offense looks great. Brock Purdy? If you didn't know he was Mr. Irrelevant and <clears throat> all that conversation, you would have said he's the number one pick in the draft. He He's the guy with the pedigree. He looked phenomenal at times in this game. And in the second half, he looked great. Um, the Niners offensively can't be stopped. They, they simply can't be stopped. They have the best running back in the league, probably the best offensive player. They have the best fullback in the league, which is an underrated thing. They have George Kittle, top three tight end in the league. Debo Samuel is on his game, top five wide receiver in the league. They have secondary receivers that are catching the ball off of people bouncing around, right? Uh, Their offensive line was good. This team offensively is playing as if there is no lead too safe. There's no lead safe enough. We are coming back. And it's because of Brock Purdy and the absolute confidence they have in this guy with Brock Purdy. He looked great. But that defense, Tim, I told you last night before this game, they were going to get run all over. Aaron Jones ran all over them. Yeah, they have major, major problems stopping the run. Major problems stopping the run. And while Nick Bosa had two sacks and he tried to apply pressure, they weren't even getting anybody else. It was Bosa against the entire offensive line at times. They weren't getting the the push on Jared Goff with an offensive lineman out and Ragnow banged up. They weren't getting the push that I thought that they would. So even the passing game was ripping them apart. But man, the gashing we have watched over the last two weeks, and you can go back further to when Baltimore ran all over them. The gashing that this defense is taking defensively on the ground, everybody can run on them. And it's shocking to watch a Niners team get manhandled on the running game. Tommy, do you have any of them PS10 Brock Purdy rookie cards laying around? Uh, It's funny because for Christmas, Christmas, my son got uh, a bunch of, um, you know, packs of, of football cards. And it, it, we don't really do a lot of the football stuff. And and we're opening them up. And Abby said, I hope we got a C.J. Stroud. I think, you know, he's going to be great. And I said, no, 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 we want a Brock Purdy. Like, like, are you kidding me? That That's who we want. <laughs> the card community knows. All right, Tommy, let's take the top of the hour timeout. By the way, I thought you'd like to know this. We got uh, listeners out there in Louisville, Kentucky tonight. Diamond Tim Miller and the crew checking out Heat Wave Sports. We appreciate the love. Tom, we're we're, uh, we're reaching all across the United States tonight, man. That's fantastic. Hey, Louisville out there. I know you guys have had a, a rough basketball season this year. So, yeah, <laughs> turn your attention to a little Vegas sports talk. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, Angel with you. Hour two on the way. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Now back to Heatway Sports. Are you ready for hour two of Heatwave Sports on a super Sunday night? 
Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas. Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton. Tommy, we are... We only have one weekend off next month. How about that? You know, usually VGK bumps us off for February. So we have uh, Super Bowl uh, preview week. We actually have the Super Bowl recap show. We'll be off the weekend after that. And then we conclude the month back-to-back week. So we're on a lot in February, my man. Yeah, I I can't wait. It's good when we get into the rotation where we're consistently on, not missing any days. And then uh, we kind of... Roll the ball out onto the court, as they say, and we, we we just hit the ground running. If I miss like a week talking here, I feel discombobulated. I'm like, ah, oh, man, there's too much to say. There's too much to catch up on. Yeah, we're taking notes during the week, and you're like, uh, we on this week? No, we're only on Sunday. And you're like, damn. <laughs> because uh, I had a, a whole time... show planned now. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, sports is always – it's continuously moving. So it's something that happens on Tuesday. By the time we get to talk about it, sometimes it's just old news, but there's a lot of times that we get the first rights and the only rights to talk about something, Tommy. And and the the nights like this where we're we're literally the only people in Las Vegas talking about firsthand what's going to happen here in two weeks. You get the first analysis from us and we were the first ones to break down the Super Bowl game every year. So it has its advantages, right? I love it. I absolutely love being right after the Super Bowl, instant reaction, and then listening to everybody copy everything that we say in the morning show. Yes. <laughs> around around the dial, the morning shows take uh, – we, we've heard them take exact sentences that we've said. So, yeah, that's always fun. And we will do the show for you listeners, the Heat Wave Sports family out there. Tommy's literally done the show in a flower bed on the Las Vegas Strip just to get the content out to you guys. And I know you remember that day, Tom. Uh, I do. I, it was a good show, actually. <laughs> it was a good show. I had to go back to the studio to make sure somebody was on air and you guys chiming in from a flower bed on the Las Vegas Strip. Nobody can ever top that. Nobody. No, that was that was one of the classics. That that was one of the classics, and and one of the uh, the all time classics. It, 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 there's a backstory to it that we walked into a place and we were ready to roll and they didn't have the equipment for us yeah. <laughs> yet. They wanted us to stay in a crowded, noisy restaurant and kind of do the, the, the show. <laughs> and when I say equipment, they didn't have an outlet for us. This is days before, you know, we needed a whole setup. They didn't have outlets for us. Oh, the, the beginning days, which by the way, takes me back to, uh, I was trying to think how many years we've been on the air together. Um, and it's, it's 13 now, you know? So, it's, it's quite some time. And, um, you know, I put this out on Twitter uh, to a, a little humble brag, but I, I feel good about it. I have now picked 11 of 13 years in the preseason, at least one of the Super Bowl participants. And I was trying to think of the number. I was like, how many years have we been on? I wasn't sure if it was 13 or 14, but it, it, it's 13 I've been giving out the Super Bowl picks. Hey, man, we're, all, we're only a few years away from that Hall of Fame, brother. You know that, right? <laughs> you know, you, you know, I want that. like I actually want I don't want a lot of things in my uh, professional career, you know, accolades and things like that. I try to fly under the radar as a sports better. I try to do things like that. I, I want that. I, I do. I think you put in 20 years consistently and you think about the, the age that I was um, and and with this, with having kids and being single in the beginning and getting married and getting out still. 
Saturday, Sunday night on until three or four o'clock in the morning, every Saturday and Sunday night. This is something I think I earned and I want it. I want it more than like a college education. Like I, I want this. <laughs> you, you want that, that uh, plaque on the mantle. You want that trophy sitting up there, man. That's validation of sports talk radio, right? 20 years. That's it. Yeah, I don't have to give a speech or anything like that. I just, I just want somebody to tip their hat and say, yes, fantastic. Well, I've been dreading getting to this, but we got to talk about it, Tom. The Kansas City Chiefs. I've been waiting all night to hear your rant. <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs move into the Super Bowl in two weeks' time. 58 over Allegiant Stadium. 17-10 road win at Baltimore in a game that uh, – I'm trying to decide which direction I want to go here. So – Here's the bad thing. I, I, I kind of talked about it last night. Here's the bad thing about being a Ravens fan this year and the way that they were so dominant was that, you know, last night I joked about the guy that, that called me a gravy trainer and a, jump, a bandwagon or whatever. But there was the, also the other side of the, the coin that literally everybody you know who knows you like the Ravens, oh, man, hell of a year. This is the year they're going to do it. Oh, I love your guys. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl. You know, I had to hear that all the last month and started to wear on me, Tom, because I, I'm not – I wouldn't say that I'm a uh, – what do you call it when – I'm not a superstitious guy, right? I, I don't think that way, but started to just wear at me and wear at me and wear at me. I'm like, man, everybody's talking about the Ravens. Everybody's talking about the Ravens. I'm watching the point spread go up. I'm watching about uh, how they, they, they have the MVP playing, you know, and everything's going right in Harbaugh, and, and everything's happening, you know, and I just started buying into this mentally. To the point where I was like, man, I don't know if I can handle a loss. But I think I've handled it well. You know, usually you have a, that grieving period, right, Tommy? Because I felt like this team really was the best team in the NFL this year. Once they put it together, once they avoided those fourth quarter letdowns that you and I talked about in the beginning of the season, once they really had it going and Lamar found his groove, I, did, I truly felt they're the best team. I still feel they're the best team. But that's why they play the games every Sunday. And Today they weren't the best team, Tom, and I know we're going to break this down, and there's numerous reasons, but they just weren't the best team today. That defense, um, they were great. The defense was great today again, 100%. After those first two drives that they let Kansas City kind of have their way with them, that defense settled in, and you saw the second half. They didn't give up anything in the second half to the Chiefs, nothing. They, they were on the ball. So where do you point the fingers? And as much as I wanted to, to be – a Lamar supporter, I have to join the Tom Barton uh, text thread that he had today in that, in my mind, it wasn't Zay Flowers that lost his football game for them. The MVP lost the game for him today. Lamar Jackson lost his game for them. And it wasn't a player or two that hurt him. It was, his, I think, in my mind, Tommy, it was the inability, his indecisiveness at times in this game that cost the Baltimore Ravens. And I'm talking about the thing with Lamar is – and we've seen with running quarterbacks over the years is they always want to use the fact that they run first as a reason why they can't be a complete NFL quarterback. I've felt that Lamar had that tag attached to him in the early part of his career as well. And he's worked on that, right, Tom? He's worked on trying to be a better passer. I feel now, though, that it's bass backwards in the fact that now he doesn't want to run. Sometimes he's scared to run, I think, or he's just very indecisive at times. And with the way that the, de the Chiefs' defense played today, they were top-notch as well. That indecisiveness cost him seconds, quality 
important seconds that they could have made plays. And, I, and Tommy, I truly feel that that was the reason why they, they lost this game. And I, my hat's offered to the Chief defense. They played wonderful. But had Lamar made better decisions in key times, especially in the fourth quarter, I think Baltimore would have won this game going away, and he just didn't. So I have to lay the blame at the feet of the MVP, Lamar Jackson, and that's just the way it is. When you're a big gun in this league, Tom, you take the good, but you also have to take the bad, and I have to take the bad here with Lamar. He lost the game for him today. You took the words out of my mouth, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disperse the blame a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Lamar Jackson absolutely lost the game for them today. And, and you hit on something that I saw and I believed I was going to be alone in this conversation, and that is they got away from what they really are. And that's why I give a lot of the blame to Todd Monken. Todd Monken came in here and he said, I'm going to make Lamar Jackson a passing quarterback. <clears throat> okay, well, getting more passing is a great idea, right? Passing more is a good idea. It, it opens up the offense. It gives you different ideas. Sure. But Todd Monken said, no, 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 I'm going to make Lamar a passing quarterback. And we all said, nah, I, I don't know. I don't know. He still, still has limited you know, uh, mobility when it comes to how deep he can pass, how accurate he can pass. I, I still question it. I questioned it before the year. I joked and I said, uh, even though last year I actually had him uh, winning the MVP and Ravens winning the Super Bowl, I, I sat back and I said, if he could learn how to throw. I, I still don't know he's a if he is a true quarterback that can throw the ball in big spots. And he, he isn't. But Todd Mocken didn't put him in a winning position tonight either. They were in a position where they wanted to prove to everybody that Lamar Jackson could throw. When things start going awry, in sports, you have to go to what your bread and butter is to use every, you know, fun conversational uh, term in sports. But got to go, got to go to your bread and butter, right? Got to go back to what works. The Ravens refused to do that. There was a point in the third quarter, the Ravens ran the ball on the early downs three times. Three <coughs> times. Three times. Justice Hill, and I know this because I had the over and I cashed the over on his receptions out of the backfield. Um he had zero receptions out of the backfield in the middle of the third quarter. Now, once he started getting his the ball, he started pulling off chunk plays. They wanted to prove that they could go deep. <clears throat> Even when the Ravens got the ball back, if you remember, they had a huge third down, uh, uh, third down stand, made Kansas City kick the ball, coming out of the locker room, and you go, okay, oh, they got a shot. First play of the game, first play, right after that, first play, boom, deep pass, going for Aguilar. Next play, boom, 40-yard pass trying to Odell Beckham on the sideline. And you're going, what are you doing? Why? Forget about passing. Why are you going enormously deep? Why are you forcing the issue? And that's as much as Todd Monken is as it is Lamar Jackson. Look, Lamar didn't complete the passes because Lamar can't throw the ball. He still is not a quarterback that can throw the ball. No, he didn't complete him. But why is Todd Monken calling that? You come out. You impose your will. You got to establish the run. Lamar didn't even have a lot of designed runs today. The biggest weapon that you have offensively. I know he had rushing yards, okay? And a lot of those were because of broken plays. I'm talking about straight up running the ball. They even went up to the booth and they were talking in the booth and they they said, what would you do? And it was a third down and two. Well, I'd pop Lamar out to the side. Nope, what'd they do? Go deep. Lamar Jackson had five completions, one of them to himself, five completions at the half, Tim, five. 
the MVP of this league that plays a pass open, you know, kind of offense had five completions. It was five for 12 at the half. One of them was a batted ball that should have been intercepted. You look at what Lamar did. He fell again in a big spot again. And this is not, you know, spur of the moment conversation. You have to ask yourself if Lamar Jackson's style of football can ever get him to the promised land. I've said it coming out of college. And I've I've gone back and forth and I've gone on the record with Lamar Jackson multiple times. Coming out of college, I said, the guy can't throw the ball. I watched him in ACC play a lot. And I did not think that he was going to be this electric player. I thought he could be okay. He won the first MVP. I had to swallow my words a little bit. And I continue, continued to say, look, he's a good player. He's scary. He's he's fun back there. Best running quarterback I've ever seen. Probably has ever been in the league. But he still can't throw the ball. And I poked fun at him for years telling you, Tim, he's a running back playing quarterback. And that has always been the ha-ha-ha fun, fun moment. But I've supported Lamar. I had money on Lamar two years ago you know, to win the MVP in the Super Bowl. This year, I... I he deserved the MVP. But I still said, I don't know if he could throw the ball. And if you have a guy that you're not sure can throw the ball, you do things to put him in a position to win. Run the ball a lot, scramble him, get him in the outside, use his athleticism, short underlying passes. Uh, Mark Andrews came back. He was instituted very early on, and then he he only finished the game with two catches. Isaiah Likely. Yeah, this is a problem. Because Todd Monken believes that Lamar Jackson has the touch pass to go 40 yards downfield to Odell Beckham. Todd Monken believes that Aguilar going downfield, down down 14 points in the third quarter, let's throw it deep on the first two possessions. That's what Todd Monken believes. So while this is a, a large part of the Lamar scenario, the idiotic throw into the end zone to Isaiah Likely, and that's just a plain idiotic throw, the missing the touch passes, he just can't throw. Missing the touch passes down the sideline. All Lamar Jackson. Yes, the execution or lack thereof is a hundred percent Lamar Jackson. But Tim, you gotta you gotta give a lot of a lot of the blame to Todd Monken, who had Gus Edwards barely touched the ball in the first half. Justice Hill wasn't a part of the game plan. Mark Andrews had one target. I mean, this was a an offense that was out of sorts, and it looked like Todd Monken was out there trying to prove to the world with the best team in the NFL trying to prove to the world that he could make Lamar a passer, as opposed to saying, you know what? Things are going wrong. Let's revert back to what we do best. Let Lamar run around. Let's play backyard uh, football. And let's get get out of here with a W. He wouldn't do that. The offensive coordinator didn't put Lamar in any kind of position to win. And, And you look at the biggest plays of the game, Lamar Jackson had two huge plays on designed runs. Huge plays. But those are the only two real designed runs of the game. Why did we not see more of that? It was a, it, it really was a problem all game long. And, and the Flowers thing stinks. Yeah, I get it. And the Isaiah Likely interception in the end zone. There were some fluky bad things. There were some bad calls. There were some bad uh, interference calls. But you're the Ravens. You have to know that that's what's going to happen. They are a chippy kind of team, if you want to use that term, right? They're going to be the team that gets penalties. They are They have number 74 on the Ravens offensive line, uh, you know, gets penalized all the time. I mean, they have these things going down. 
But overall, Tim, it is the execution of the offensive coordinator and the quarterback to say, things are going bad. Why are we trying to prove a point as opposed to going back to the basics and what we know wins? And he didn't do that with Lamar. So Lamar deserves like 70% of the blame here. But I think Todd Mockin deserves a big chunk of this as well. I'm Todd Munkin. I'm a national champion with Georgia. I ran the most explosive offense in college football, right, Tom? Why did that pop its head today when literally they ran for 250 yards last week against Houston? They put up multiple, multiple 200-yard rushing games this year. And I said, I turned to everybody I'm, I'm watching this with in, in the first half, and I'm just like, Gus Edwards has one carry. And then in, even in the, even in the, late in the game, Tom, this is really upsetting to me, was that the, the defense just continued to hold Casey. Casey did nothing offensively in the second half. Nothing. Ravens put up 300 yards of total offense in the second half, Tom, but those turnovers killed them, right? But the problem for me was that even when they was 17-7 and they got the last stop with about five minutes to go, they had three timeouts, whatever, and, and the two-minute, that they could have put it together a drive which they ended it did end up in a field goal. My point was even then they weren't running the ball. And I just I was just like I, I put in our thread. I was like, let's just run the ball. Establish that there's more than one establish more than that they're just gonna throw the ball at this point. Make them vulnerable and they never did it all in the game. You're right. And it, it just frustrated me because I think that we sit around as armchair quarterbacks and we, we say, What what's up with this? What happened here? What happened there? But we can't be that dumb to think that if it's working or it's worked for you, why would you not go back to what is your success, right? And that is running the football. And they have great running backs, Tom. Just They didn't do it. And that was the frustrating part. It, it, it the is a, epitome of the season, uh, not to interrupt you, I'll let you continue in yeah. a minute, but to, to, to go on that point, the epitome of the season for the Ravens is it was a third and two. They were down 14-7 with about a minute to go before the half. And – everybody knew what do you need there Lamar Jackson run up run up the middle right tush push whatever but Lamar get him out in space he came back and he tried to throw a sidearm dart pass behind the line of scrimmage to Zay Flowers right which wouldn't even got him the first down no yeah yeah um I am disappointed yes I'm not mad I'm disappointed and I feel like maybe it'll set in somewhere else. But, I, you know, they, I think the Chiefs' defense was wonderful. I think Kelsey, big-time players, you know, he was he had a big game. 11 grabs. It's it's hard to stop a guy that size. And, they, they you know, Hamilton's a big boy. That's the thing. Kyle Hamilton, who was primarily on Kelsey most of the game, Kyle Hamilton's 6'4", 220 pounds, Tom. And he had problems. So, they, they obviously, KC did what, what they, you know, those are the big-time players, and those guys played today. But And there are numerous third-down plays that KC was able to convince, uh, cash in on that the superstars made the plays, and that's what you look for in, in Super Bowl-winning teams, which KC is. I think for Baltimore purposes, you know, and you brought up the point of when do you realize whether or not Lamar is the guy for you? Do you put Lamar Jackson, and, and we'll say this about another guy I know you like and I like him as well, and, yeah, you have Patrick Mahomes standing in your way. I get that. But is Josh Allen also in that 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 uh, conversation and guys that just haven't won the big game yet? No. No. And here's the pushback here, Tim. 
I know you could talk to me about a Josh Allen apologist. Look at what Josh Allen does during big games. He performs really well. The defense doesn't, but he performs well. Lamar Jackson did not perform well, right? I mean, you could say what you want about Josh Allen. His his Josh Allen's biggest you know loss, I guess we'll say, um, was a game where he left the field with a lead, right? I mean, it went into overtime. Um, you look at he he didn't throw an interception against Kansas City in the last loss they just took, right? Thirty nine attempts, no interceptions. That's huge. Um, he plays when he gets eliminated. He still moves the ball. He still is the guy. He's the focal point. He doesn't make the mistakes. It's that his defense can't hold it. Maybe he makes a bad throw here or there. Lamar Jackson wasn't Lamar Jackson tonight. Lamar Jackson threw the big interception. Lamar Jackson couldn't get the third down call. Lamar Jackson, you know, because of Munkin, but whatever it is, didn't use his legs effectively. Lamar Jackson, at, at this point, I look at Josh Allen and I go, man, it's a shame that he's got the guys around him. He doesn't have a number one receiver, clearly. Stephon Diggs isn't that. He doesn't have that guy. He needs some retooling. But I feel like I look at Josh Allen and I go, man, they, they're going to have to build around him. They're going to have to get him a number one guy. But he's got plenty of time to go get that one. I look at Lamar Jackson and I go, I, I, I don't know if this Ravens team can ever win with him. I think Lamar Jackson, at this point, is a choke artist. I think Lamar Jackson can't handle the big stage. I don't think Lamar Jackson is a good enough quarterback to overcome these consistent playoff losses over and over again. Who's he losing to, though? You know, you look at – you would put Lamar Jackson in the top five quarterbacks in the game today, right? He's a top viver. I, I He won the MVP. Yeah. But there's a difference between regular season MVP and, and you know, doing it in the playoffs. Right. There are some yeah, yeah. guys that are just not equipped for the big stage. Lamar Jackson is not a big stage quarterback. And I agree. Josh Allen has big games, right? But if you're looking at dollars and cents when it comes down to it, Josh Allen never wins a Super Bowl because he had Patrick Mahomes in his way. You and I know that, Patrick, that uh, Josh Allen's a big game hunter. But will he ever live off that, that – uh, the moniker that he can't win in the playoffs? Because he can't, he comes up one game short, and I think Lamar Jackson's in that same ilk because of the guy that that continues to win. And then until one of these guys beats him, the Joe Burrow, like Joe Burrow, has one of those, right? Until those guys beat them, that will always be whether it's a hundred percent true or not, Tom. It'll always be something that sticks out is they can never win the big big game, which is to get to the big game. But Tim, I will say this about Jackson. I will say this about Josh Allen. Look at the great quarterbacks that we have gone through, you know, through through even recent memory. Um, Brady had Gronk. Mahomes has Kelsey. <clears throat> Burrow had Chase, right? Uh, you know, Rodgers had Adams. Uh, go, go, go through. Allen has Diggs, who clearly isn't Stephon Diggs in the last two years. We know that. Josh Allen has not had that guy. Maybe Kincaid becomes it. Who knows? But he doesn't have that guy. Lamar Jackson. Who's Lamar Jackson have? Zay Flowers? The guy that fumbled on the one-yard line? Like, if you're the guy, you don't make that that mistake. And and Zay Flowers isn't exactly that guy either. Go go turn around and give Lamar Jackson. And that's this is why I thought Mark Andrews was going to be impressive today. Go give him a healthy Mark Andrews, and maybe we can have that conversation. 
Go get a number one receiver and give that to Josh Allen. We're going to have a different conversation. But at the end of the day, it takes more than just a quarterback in this league. You need to have that that duo to have sustained success. I mean, you could win a, a game here or there. Look, you know, Nick Foles has a, has a ring, right? You could win a game here or there. But to have that sustained success, you need a running partner. You need that one-two punch. And neither one of those guys ever had it. And, and I think that teams around the league are starting to see that. When Trevor Lawrence was taken by Jacksonville, what did they go out there and do? They spent a ton of money on Christian Kirk, hoping, okay, maybe this is going to be his running guy because you need that that one-two punch. You need that that secondary guy to go out there and be the running mate with you. Lamar doesn't have it. Josh Allen doesn't have it. Tom, if <clears throat> who, who would you, if you had to replace, right? other than Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And I said, Tommy, give me another quarterback. Lamar's out. Who do you put in that spot that's currently playing right now? What do you mean to replace that? Uh, if to, I said, Lamar, to... Lamar, next year we're going to have a new quarterback, and you could pick anybody in the NFL except for Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Who would you put? I, I think I think we've seen that Joe Burrow, when he's healthy, can be that guy. Mm-hmm. Joe Burrow has the it factor, right? He's got that big win mentality. Um, I think CJ Stroud can be that guy. And I think Brock Purdy has it in him to be that guy. I'm I'm still not sold on your guy, and I know you love him. I'm still not sold on Justin Herbert, uh, 100%. I was always out on, on Hertz. I told you guys that from day one. I didn't think Hertz was the guy. I don't think Goff is quite the guy. I don't think Cousins has it to kind of elevate to the next level. Stafford clearly is on the backside of his career, but... Stafford can do it. Uh, There's not a lot of guys in the league that can do it. I think that Burrow would be my pick. And after Burrow, you go with probably go with a guy like CJ Stroud that looks like he's got the makings of everything, but even he failed in the playoffs. I thought you were going to say Burrow. And the reason why was I was the point I'm going to make on this one is, and we could have a whole show about this because it's really a great topic in that Allen, Mahomes, Jackson, Stroud, Burrow, all AFC teams, right? So that gauntlet that Allen and Jackson have to go through every year to get to the – even Mahomes, right? The, the, that gauntlet of teams they have to go through, I don't think that they're ever going to truly be judged if they don't make it to the big game because it's just – we're even – I throw Herbert in there too because I, I want to – you know, I think there's so much talent there. AFC, again, that it one game, right, Tom? We've seen it year and year. One game – that's all it takes to be gone. And uh, I guess it's a, it's a privilege to have to get to watch it every year, that it's so good in that conference with those guys. And I think that's what makes it even stand out even more. All the passion from home hate that people want to give out, the bottom line is the guy wins. And I think until Lamar gets there and until Josh gets there, it's always going to be something that just it sticks out like that sore thumb is that they can't, they can't beat them, so they can't get there. They, somebody has to beat him. Burrow beat him. They have to. They have to beat him to get there. That's he's the gatekeeper, Tom. He is uh, much like Brady was, and it took Manning. People forget. You know, I, I brought this up with the Josh Allen thing. It took Manning six years. You know, yeah. six years of losing before he got over the hump. The, the conversation. People that don't remember Manning and the Manning years. The conversation, even after he won, even after he won with with Indy, before he got to Denver, the conversation was. A lot like what it is with Aaron Rodgers. 
which is, oh, one and done. Yeah, the fluke win. He can't he can't win the big one. And then he went to Denver and he proved everybody wrong. Um, but yeah, when you have the gauntlet, you do. So that brings me up to asking you exactly what we just talked about with the Detroit Lions. Where does this leave Baltimore? This loss hurt. They had the home game like they wanted. They had the best record like they wanted. They had Mahomes in an AFC championship game on the road for the first time ever like they wanted. They had the MVP of the league like they wanted. Everything lined up for Baltimore. Everything was perfect for Baltimore here. Everything. Everybody was healthy. This was this was it. This was the dream season, the dream scenario with the dream quarterback having the dream everything. And they once again fell flat on their face. Where does this leave the Baltimore Ravens? I, I just think you go use business as usual. There's really not much you can do, right, Tom? You're we, we went over the 10-year record, right? They have a formula there with Ozzie Newsom and now Eric DaCosta and how they build their football teams. Harbaugh, who's twice in the last, I'd say, seven or eight years, I, I truly thought that they would let him go, but he, he, the owners loves him, and he's a good coach. He's a great coach. They're, they're a great football team that just has not won, well, other than, uh, what, 2012, right? So... I think you just continue on the path and, and you just be a consistently good football team and hopefully it goes your way one time. I don't know how you can go. I don't think you can say we need to just blow this up because that can be disastrous if you don't, if it doesn't work for you. And I kind of peep their UFAs next year, Tommy too. And, and some stick out to me and look, the Ravens are famous for getting veteran guys to come on and play under one year deals, right? Tom at reduced money because they want to play in a, in a winning environment. And I love it. So some of the names on the list there are UFAs, the the Beckhams and the Clownies. Look, they probably won't be back, right? They're going to go somewhere else. There's three names that stick out to me, and I'd love to th- hear what you think because these aren't guys you can just go replace necessarily. Definitely not all three of them. You're not getting them all. But first guy I saw was Kevin Zeitler is on the list. I love him on the offensive line. I thought that was a great, great get from the Giants a couple years back. He really holds it down for a guy that's also on this list, Tommy, and Gus Edwards is a UFA. I'd love to see him come back. I know Justice Sills there, but you get a nice little one-two punch with those two guys. And the big name on the list for me is Patrick Queen is unrestricted. And, and we've seen the Ravens in years past, whether it was the, the C.J. Mosley's, right, Tom, of, of, of past years, leave the team because it, just, it becomes a numbers game. It becomes money. And that one I'm interested to see. Obviously, Roquan is the guy there, but Patrick's a nice, nice secondary piece on that that linebacking core. So he's a big one for me as well. I'd love, obviously, love to see Patrick come back, and it's going to come down to what kind of money they have left, Tom. But other than that, it's a lot of veterans and backup guys that you can hopefully fill. So I don't know. You you draft well, which they draft well every year. Kyle Hamilton was a first round draft pick. He's an All Pro now, Tom. Like they they know what they're doing on, as far as that aspect of it goes. I don't know if there's a number one. I haven't looked at the list. I don't know if there's a number one free agent wide receiver you bring in, but they do that every year. They always mess around with the, the, the number one guy. But I think the, the game plan to answer your question, long-winded, is that you just continue on the path of what you're doing and hope that next year it goes their way. I don't, I don't know another way to answer, Tom. I, I definitely think you, you don't blow it up. There's no way you do that. You can't take a team that's consistently a winning franchise and just blow it up because they didn't win. I don't think that's the right answer. 
Mendupke is also a uh, free agent, which is you lose yeah, him and Queen. Yeah, that, that's a that's a big two. And I looked at the free agents as well because I made the statement about the Lions that it wouldn't shock me if they didn't make the playoffs. I'm going to say the same thing about the Ravens. I know number one record in the NFL. I get it. I get it. But next year, you're going to have a healthy Cleveland Browns team. They're getting shoved back. Watson is presumably going to be healthy, right? Uh, next year, you're going to have a Joe Burrow-led team that is going to be presumably healthy, at least at, at the beginning of the year. I think the Steelers are going to be more healthy, and if they make a change at quarterback, we're looking at maybe Russell Wilson. That division is brutal, and they're in the AFC. So you look at what the Baltimore Ravens did this year, you know, um, and, and you go, okay, they were the best team in the NFL record-wise, uh, but now they're going to play a number one schedule. This year – when you look at 13 wins, you go, okay, 13 wins. Can the bringing on Joe Burrow as a healthy kind of uh, player here, can, can can that, by the way, the Ravens beat, you know, the Bengals twice this year. So let's yeah. just give one win to them. Okay, that's 12, right? The Ravens beat the Browns um, one and one, but now that's going to be a different team. The Steelers. Yeah, no, that, that, I know they went one and one. That's going to be a different team. Now, first place schedule, I'm going to knock one off there. I'm going to knock another one. All of a sudden, you go out there and you go, the Ravens, 10 wins? Very, 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 very interesting to say, could I see them winning 10 games? I could, Tim. And 10 games in the NFL uh, is still 10 wins. It's a nice number, but it doesn't guarantee you a playoff spot. And in a tough AFC, I'm going to say the same thing about the Baltimore Ravens. If Lamar Jackson um, is healthy, which is a huge question mark in his style of play, and he has another huge season, could I see this team back here in the AFC Championship game? Absolutely. You don't have to squint too hard to see that. But could I see the Ravens falling apart? You know, losing this game the way that they did. Lamar just doesn't quite have an MVP season, or the injury bug hits him, which he's been all year long they play a first place schedule their division now gets burrow back and chubb back and everybody in cleveland i'm nervous for the ravens i'm nervous that the ravens just like i'm nervous with the bills had a window had a year had it in front of them and when you lose that it's hard to climb right back into it and i am very concerned about the ravens next year I was going to say we just saw it with Buffalo, right, Tom? The AFC title game, and they had to go on a, a run to make the just to make the playoffs. So, <laughs> the AFC is a daunting, daunting gauntlet of teams. There, this in from the text line. Chris Wynn chimes in, Tommy. The Ravens continue with business as usual, and hope they break through and win a title. I, I, I agree. I think that's that's all you can hope for, right? You, that's just what it is. You know who you know who the Ravens are reminding me of, Tim? <clears throat> reminding me of the Minnesota Vikings in the 90s, mm-hmm. where every year they're getting there. You can't change the pieces. They had great pieces, great numbers. They missed the playoffs by a, by a missed field goal at the end, and you go, what happened to that team? Oh, oh, where'd they go? Oh, they just, they just couldn't get over the hump. Whereas the Buffalo Bills are reminding me of the San Diego Chargers. With Philip Rivers and Ladanian Tomlinson, explosive players, great team preseason. You're going, man, everything's going to be great, but, but something always happens. It, it seems like we're reliving history here with these two teams. What do you always say when we talk about coaches on the hot seat or, or uh, 
it's usually with coaches on the hot seat, but the the adage is that, well, if you want to replace them, replace them. But who are you replacing them with? Are they going to be better than the guy you have? And a lot of times the answer is, well, most of the time, right, Tom? The answer is no. They're not better than what you have. So you just you just have to go through with what you have. And, and, and I guess as a fan, enjoy consistently being a winner, right, Tom? Then be consistently a fan of a team that's a loser because that's even worse when you just don't care anymore. So um, I don't know. It's disappointing. Okay, I'm going to ask you the question here. Uh, who ends up with more Super Bowl rings, Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson? <laughs> I don't know if there's an answer for that, Tom. To me, I, I don't know if they can win. How old's how old much older is Mahomes? Not much. Yeah, and he's not necessarily injury prone to where they have to worry about that. And Casey, another great front office. That 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 franchise has a wonderful front office. What they've been able to do, and they did that. They they are now in the game, and we're we're going to seg into the game. They're now in the game again. With with basically no number one receiver, which was the big thing. Tyreek Hill leaves. What are they going to do? They kind of made it work, right, Tom? They figured it out. So I don't know if I can answer that question because I don't know if they can win. I don't know if either one of them can win one. That's that's the thing. I don't know. What do you think? I, I just put it up on Twitter because uh, it's at Tom Barton Sports. I put a poll up. I, I want to see what people think. I, I think Allen does. I think that the Bills – uh, not that they're closer, but I think that the, the Bills realize they have to push all in. Uh, they have to make dramatic changes. I think that dramatic changes can bring good things for Josh Allen. I think he gets at least one. I know that Allen could look down Patrick Mahomes across the field and gunsling one for one with him and win. I know that. I, we've mm-hmm. seen it, right? Um, I don't know if Lamar Jackson could do that. I also think that Lamar Jackson's career is going to be a lot shorter because of the injuries. His style of play is going to get impacted because he's, I know he bulked up, but Josh Allen's a guy that's going to be, if Josh Allen stopped running tomorrow, he can still make it as a passer. Lamar Jackson's knees get cut out from under him and he can't be as mobile. His career's over. So I'm going to go with Allen simply because of that. Do either one of them get a ring? Yeah, I, I, I think Allen can. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say I'm 50-50 that they even get one though. I, I I put up the poll. Go check it out. It's at Tom Barton Sports. I'm gonna be interested. I bet you neither gets a ring, which I put as the third option, gets more votes than Allen and Jackson. No, I agree. I, I I was talking to Chris. I said maybe Burrow gets there before either one of them, but Burrow has injury problems too. So. Uh... It, it's, it's I think Burrow definitely gets one. Yeah. Because, but again, it goes with the running mate. He has Jamar Chase. Right. You know, he's got that. He's got a young running back in Brown right behind Mixon. They're just plucking people out and putting people in. They, We know this about Cincinnati. They have the right head coach in place. We know they have the quarterback in place. We know that they have the running mate with the quarterback, the one-two combination. In Buffalo, we're not sure McDermott's the guy. We know Allen's the guy. We don't know if Allen has a running mate. No, he doesn't. With Lamar, we know the coach is there. We don't know if Lamar's the guy, and we know he doesn't have a running mate. Right. So 
that's why Cincinnati to me is is leaps and bounds in a better position. If I would have put Joe Burrow up here, I think it would have dominated the poll. I think everybody thinks that Joe Burrow is going to get her. I may go out there and put money on Cincinnati next week. You know, or two weeks from now. You know, I I pick a team right after the Super Bowl to go win it. I might pick Cincinnati. I think that they could do it next year. Allen and Jackson. I'm not sure. I said to see when I said Burrow may get one before those two guys do, and that's the reasons why I agree with you 100%. They're, they're lined up in that situation, even though they went to the Super Bowl, got beaten the second round the next year, and then out of the playoffs this year, they're still, like you said, they can literally rebound next year and be the team. And that's AFC, though. That That's why it's so wide open in that conference every year that Jackson and Allen may not end up with one by the time of the end of the careers. But, Tom, let's, let's finish up with just a, a quick preview because I know next week it's all about the Super Bowl. But give us the opening line, Vegas set for the Vegas Super Bowl, San Francisco, Kansas City, February 11th over at Allegiant Stadium. Line opened up, Tim, today at three like we thought. Within minutes, it was bet down to two and a half. And as of right now, I'm seeing twos out there. Look, um, a lot of uh, a lot of people in the business they try to jump on those early lines and usually try to jump on the favorite because it's going to go the other way. No, no, no. I expect this game to go off at one or less. I don't think it'll flip the zero, but I, I this wouldn't be surprising to me if it was a pick'em game. But I think it's going to go off at about one, with all the narrative that Patrick Mahomes is the underdog, with all the narrative that you have the the everyday casual going to line up and go, going to take Kansas City. This is uh, San Francisco is the favorite. I don't think they'll ever be the underdog, but I do think it's going to get close to him. I do think it's going to get closer than what we had. It was never going to stay at three. If you like Kansas City at three, you should have grabbed it then. It's never going to get back to three. I don't know if you're even going to see a two out there. I think it goes lower than two. Initial Super Bowl MVP odds. Patrick Mahomes, Tommy, plus 150. Brock Purdy, plus two. McCaffrey's plus five. Kelsey plus 14, Debo plus 18, and then you got Pacheco and on down for bigger. So these are the initial opening odds. Um, you know, this is what the this is what the books want, right, though, Tom? Uh, they want two-way action. They're going to get it here. I like McCaffrey there. Uh, look, mm-hmm. I said to, to, to Abby after the game, I said, well, you know what? After San Francisco, I, get, I said, we get to see the best player in football play uh, uh, on Super Bowl Sunday. And she kind of looked at me and I said, no, I don't mean Patrick Mahomes because Christian McCaffrey is the best player in football, you know? So I'll take the best player in the NFL at five to one odds for sure. You kind of touched on Frisco and the game plan in hour one. What, what is the, how do you, how do you initial thoughts? What do you see this game? How do you, how do you uh, see this going as far as what's the game plan on both sides here? Well, I, I think if you're San Francisco, the game plan is we cannot let them dictate the pace. We can't let them run on us like every other team has run on us. But in the same respect, we have to be very cognizant and, and very aware of the fact that if we do crack down defensively on the run, we have Patrick Mahomes out there. I think you can't let Travis Kelsey beat you, so you double team. To me, I'm stacking the box and double teaming Patrick Mahomes. I'm sorry, and double teaming uh, Travis Kelsey. I'm San Francisco, and I'm saying, look, you're going to beat us with with Rice. You're going to beat us with uh, Valdez Scandling. That's who you're going to do it. You're not running on us like what you've watched the last two weeks, and you're absolutely not beating us with Travis Kelsey. And by the way, they have the linebackers to do it. 
On the other side, I think if you're Kansas City, you're you're saying exactly that. Look, we have watched what beats this team. We have got to run the ball. Run the ball all day long. We've also watched that they can't defend the tight end. Keep feeding it to Kelsey over the middle. Take the short stuff. Take what's given to you. Don't have to go deep and do not get into a mindset that you feel like you have to go deep. Go over the middle, slant plays, run the ball, go old school. It's a weird scenario, but if San Francisco wins this game, they're going to be the first team to go you know, over 27 points on, on Kansas City. They, they, they want this game wide open. Brock Purdy throwing the ball. Let's run the ball. Give it to McCaffrey, who's the best player in the league. Let Purdy use his legs even. Yeah. Oh, yeah, let's go. And Kansas City is the team that wants the game to be 17-14. They want to run the ball and play defense. It's a weird scenario because the teams have kind of flipped the script. But Kansas City has got to get in their head. We are this different team. We are going to run the ball. We are going to play defense. While San Francisco has to put it into their head. Look, we've shown that we absolutely give up a lot of chunk yards. We got to get scoring. We got to open this thing up. And let's try to outgun Patrick Mahomes. It sounds like a dangerous scenario. But that's how they got to look at this thing. We've seen it all year long. We've seen it magnifying the last two weeks that you can run on Steve Wilkes' defense. And I, I agree with you. I think that that's what you have to do. And maybe because there's more veteran NFL coordinator leadership there in Kansas City that they stick to the game plan in that whether it's pretty or not, it doesn't have to be. We're here to win. And that's, again, we'll go into the dynasty mode next week. But that's what teams of dynasties do, Tom, is they have a game plan and they generally just stick to it. And if you stop it, you beat them. If you don't, you lose. It's pretty A-B simple. I kind of look at Pacheco 40-1, to 1, right, Tom, to win the MVP. He gets a couple touchdowns. That may be it right there for you. And that's the way it should be. Grind out that clock. Run the – it's the Raven way, right? Grind the clock out. Put uh, – keep drives – keep them sustained running. Uh, complete your third down opportunities, which, again, Baltimore did not do today. Lamar won for seven in third downs. Get Keep the chains moving, run the ball, and use Kelsey as your big safety blanket. And that's that's an unbeatable proposition at that point. But we know how the game's played, Tom. It never goes the way you think it's going to go. But I think that's a foolproof plan in order for KC to win their third Super Bowl. This should be a game where Pachenko and McCaffrey – just rule the day. Keep the other guy off the field. Don't, don't don't get into yourself and just run, run, and run some more. And you said earlier that San Francisco's full of stars, right? We know that. Offensively, how do you stop them? All it takes, Tom, is to, to underestimate the Kansas City defense, which I think a lot of people are. That They have a great defense, right? They've but now you're, you're taking a step up in, in uh, offensive talent for sure. And that's the thing that worries me on the other side is that San Francisco, lightning quick, can get back in the game. We saw it today. If lightning quick starts the game out that way, KC may have a lot of problems trying to play catch-up, Tommy. Yeah, I, that, that's the thing. We were laughing today. Christian McCaffrey falls forward for eight yards. I mean, you know, if San Francisco gets the lead, which they have not gotten the lead pretty much at all this entire postseason, uh, where they could lean on a team. If they get that lead and they could lean, the game could be over. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time on Brock Purdy. I could not be more impressed with him. I could not be more impressed. 
50 yards rushing today. I mean, and he was phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal. Forget, stop with the Mr. Irrelevant stuff. Stop with the last pick in the draft. Just stop. He looks every bit as good as anybody else. Chris Winters texted him and he said, imagine Brock Purdy will have more rings than both of them. Let me tell you something. Brock Purdy's not getting one ring. Brock Purdy's getting multiple rings if he continues like this. This is a great franchise, great coach, great players around him. And Brock Purdy is it, man. He is the real deal. That's also a discussion point next week, Tommy, in that does Kyle Shanahan get that validation once he wins this the Super Bowl? That's all that's stopping him from being one of those guys, right? I don't know if a head coach needed a Super Bowl more than Kyle Shanahan. Right. I don't know if I ever remember it, where a coach needs it to sort of validate the uh, everything that we, we've had. You know, all the conversation about Shanahan, how he lost Super Bowl. I mean, he absolutely needs this Super Bowl. Um, it would be nice if if Kansas City got it. Sure, that, that's a, no, no, no. San Francisco needs this for Shanahan. If you're starting a franchise and you pick picking a head coach out of McVay or Shanahan, you go Shanahan. Oh, all day long. But McVay has a ring. That's yeah, he works. does. But again, he, he's got a ring, but he went one time, and I severely doubt he'll ever go again. Shanahan's in his second. You know, I mean, he's already got gone here in his second with San Francisco. He gets a ring. He already jumped leaps frogs up. So maybe, so maybe some little money on uh, Purdy, MVP, maybe a little money on Pacheco, MVP, McCaffrey. I think leaning that way, Tom, right? I think that covers the bases there. The other guys aren't, there's no value there. So. Yeah, I mean, if you want to go crazy, I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to get some really good value on like a Chris Jones or a Nick Bosa if you want to go defensive. Um, I don't normally like to do that. But if you want to go defensive, sure, those two guys can be it. Uh, you're probably going to be able to get a, a decent number on Rasheed Rice, who could play a role. Um, and you probably get a decent number. I know he hasn't really been part of this here, but George Kittle might get you a decent number. I don't know. His name recognition might be too much. If you're, to me, look, you're going to the quarterbacks. You're going to the running backs. The passing game might be good, but they both spread the ball around so much. Well, we're down to two. February 11th. Vegas, KC, San Francisco. <coughs> Excuse me. That is the matchup. Next week, we'll break it all down for you. Give you uh, all the, the dead week. We call it the dead week, right, Tom? It's, it's really a, a week where it's more pomp and circumstance to get you ready for the big game. But we'll be here to break it down, and we'll be able to talk other sports as well. Huge college basketball conference play going on right now. And even a couple of wrinkles in Major League Baseball with some free agents. I looked. I'm hoping sign this. We got. You know, we need to get these big names off the market. Me and Tom will break that all down next week's time. So, Tommy, let everybody know the busy week you have ahead. I know you got some shows going on, and uh, of course, Tom Barton Sports. You got games to to win. I am absolutely on fire. Another win today. Look, I didn't like any of the games. Got got. Got one of those cheap wins, but a win is a win, right? One and zero on the day because my cheap win, and, and hey, it, it it just adds to the bankroll. That's what I tell everybody at TomBartonSports.com. You get every single play, every single level, 
everything I do at TomBartonSports.com. Go check that out. Also, go give me a listen over on the Believe Podcast Network, B-L-E-A-V Podcast Network. Believe in the Ivy League. A lot of good Ivy League stuff going down. Uh, Princeton went down to Cornell this week. That's an interesting basketball. Get get you prepared for March Madness and Believe in Betting is a, a podcast I do during the week. Gives you a little insight of the stuff that you're going to hear here as well. So go check it out. It's TomBartonSports.com. Again, I'll extend the same exact offer. If you guys want to sign up, I know I had a couple of guys sign up last night. Thanks for listening in. Uh, same exact offer at TomBartonSports.com. Gives you all the games, including the Super Bowl and all my prop plays. Great show as always, Tom. Have a good week, my man. We'll talk next Saturday night. Have a good one, guys. For Tommy Barton, TomBartonSports.com. For Angel, hanging in with us all weekend long. Appreciate him. Thank you, my friend. I am Tim Unglesby. Have a great sports week. We'll talk to you next weekend right here on Fox Sports Radio Las Vegas. It's Heat Wave Sports. Good night.